Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports, concerts, and all types of shows. You know what I love about GameTime? Being able to know exactly what my view is going to be like when I purchase my ticket. Simply click on the available seat that you want, and you'll automatically be shown what your scope of the game will be. No guessing games or surprises. Well, now GameTime is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what to do. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store. Click on the My Ticket section of the app. Create an account. Then under the Billing section, redeem code THEATHLETIC. Once again, that's THEATHLETIC, all one word. For $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem the code, and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, 2019. So make moves quickly and score last-minute tickets. Well, the Buffalo Bills have actually done what uh, they were expected to. They went in to a game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, a team that has had their number over the last 20 years, even though they've only played them six times. They went in, clinched their first double-digit win season since 1999, and, of course, clinched a spot in the playoffs. Welcome, everyone, to... The Buffalo Beat, uh, thank you for joining us, however you're doing so, whether it's on the Athletic Podcast Network, thank you for being a subscriber if so, or on a free avenue on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, what have you. My name is Joe Pascalia, with me my co-host is Matthew Fairburn, and we actually have a full house tonight because Tim Graham, also of The Athletic, is in the room, as is... Our good friend Lion Ty of uh, Bleacher Report, Tyler. Tyler, well, that wasn't Tyler. That was that was TG, as you know him. But yep, that Tyler Dunn is uh, in the room as we're recording because the we we figure we break out all the stops just because the Bills made the playoffs and they did it after only 14 games. Who would have thought heading into this year? Matthew Fairburn, what the heck? They they actually they actually did it like that. I. I was kind of mentally preparing myself to go, oh, well, we'll see what happens in New England. And then I'm sure a lot of Bills fans were mentally preparing themselves like, oh, crap, is this thing going to go to week 17? And it didn't. They handled their business and to the playoffs they go. Yeah, yeah I guess it turns out this duck guy is a bit of a quack. Oh, boo. <laughs> Four interceptions for Duck Hodges today. That's a lot of interceptions. Quack Fairbird this starts it off hot. That guy stinks. Heck of a performance from the Bills defense. And it, this has been a fitting way for them to get to the playoffs, really. I mean, an imperfect game, a, a game where the offense for a lot of it really struggled to get going. And, you know, it was ugly at times with fumbles. Josh Allen threw an interception. And yet the defense at every turn bailed them out. And, Four interceptions, four sacks, really a, an all-around great performance. Tredavious White, uh, once again, uh, we had him, I believe, as our midseason MVP uh-huh. on this show, and he's now tied for the league lead in interceptions. Should be going to the Pro Bowl, presumably. 
Uh, saw a couple national folks tweeting that he, he looks like an all-pro. So uh, might be looking at the two best corners in football next week when the Bills and Patriots play uh, with Stephon Gilmore and Trey White on opposite sidelines. Who were both drafted by the Bills, mind you. One could of which be. were let slip away. They could both be on the Bills. For nothing. Even. Yeah. But, but we won't get into that. No, this is no. not this is not the time for that, Joe. Nor the place. This Maybe is the, the time for it's time to dissect that quack duck, am I right? Alright. <laughs> uh well the Bills, they uh as you pointed out, the the defense was outstanding today. They really, I mean when they needed to play, as you pointed out, Tredavious White was there. And it was very reminiscent of the Miami game, I think, where it seemed like that had a legitimate chance to not go their way. And they needed something, some sort of really strong effort from someone. They needed someone to step up, especially when the Dolphins were right on the doorstep of scoring. And Tredavious White saved the day. Right at the goal line, picks off a pass. At that point, the Bills were losing. They go on to win that game. And who, I mean, if the if they, the Dolphins don't turn that ball over, they get at least a field goal, and maybe that whole game is different. Maybe the Bills lose that game. So I guess we'll never know. But that's the type of impact player Tredavious White has been. And yet again, after the Bills were in a tough spot and the Steelers we're getting it into the bill zone. Granted, it was a horrendous decision and pass by Duck Hodges. Though, Tredavious White still had to complete the play. And some were complaining that he didn't get into the end zone, but the guy can't do everything. I mean, the offensive lineman took a good angle. The Jalen Samuels took a good angle. But, I mean, the point is, Tredavious White set them up for a field goal to tie up the game. It should have been more. We'll get into that. But he set them up with a grade A situation to take over the game or at the very least tie it to which they did. And uh, he's he's just been great all, all season. I thought last week he kind of slid to the background a bit just because, you know, the Ravens don't really use their wide receivers all that much. And um, I didn't exactly like Tredavious White's um, run support in that game. Thought he allowed himself to be blocked a bit too easily, but when he's defending the pass, man, there's there's not a lot that can that can stop that guy. And when when you have a player of that caliber, I mean, just just think of how the collective panic within the fan base when he went down with an injury on that one second down play, and they went through one play that they ended up getting off the field, and then it was the whole, oh man, what are they going to do without Tredavious? What are they going to do without that guy? Turns out they didn't have to find out, but that's a legitimate question if he ever has to miss time because that is such an area of strength for them, and they're able to do so many unique things because of that guy. So uh, he is no doubt about it, the MVP of that game. And, uh, and yeah, he he changes the complete complexion of this defense. Yeah, it's, it's something that's been happening time and time again with him, and it's similar, you know, or, or familiar faces keep popping up as the, the key players on that side of the ball. Jordan Poyer had an interception. Uh, Jordan Phillips had two sacks, I believe. Shaq Lawson uh, got into the backfield for one. It's 
the same guys coming through with the big plays on that side of the football. And you knew it would be a game where both defenses would, you know, be able to hold the offenses in check. And I think with all the, the attention on the Steelers defense, you know, it was easy to easy to forget that the Bills defense is probably better and, you know, at, at least as talented. And certainly they had, uh, you know, a, a much better offense in this game uh, than the Steelers did, which just feels like a lot has to go right for the Steelers to be successful on offense on any given drive, um, whether it's, you know, they're running wildcat plays, they're, you know, taking these deep shots that all felt like prayers, a few of them hit. But the Steelers, like the Bills, because of the way they play offense, are a team that seems to have that thin margin of error. And the Bills do, too, in a lot of games because of the way they play on offense. But I, I just think today they were they were head and shoulders uh, above what the Steelers were talent-wise on that side of the ball. And, you know, it turned out to be the difference in this game. Yeah, I also think, I mean, Tredavious White obviously saved them. But I don't know that he would have had as many opportunities to save them if it wasn't for how successful the Bills were in stopping the run especially early on in the game. The first play was kind of an aberration. The Bills allowed a 15-yard gain on the ground from James Conner. And from that point forward, through the end of the first half, the Steelers ended up rushing for only 21 yards on nine carries, which was a 2.3 yards per carry average. After that initial 15-yard gain, the Bills only allowed six yards on eight carries, which is a .75 yard per carry average, which is just complete dominance. And for a team that wants to depend on their running game to, I guess, take them down the field, and especially getting James Conner back the way that they did in this game, that had to be especially disheartening for them to where they had to turn the ball over into Duck Hodge's hands. And that's the last thing they want. I mean, we, we saw the 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 chart of Duck Hodge's day and what he refused to do. And he did not complete a pass over the middle of the field, past like five yards, I think it was. I mean, it's just very, very evident that they're working with a limited player. And the fact that the Bills forced him into a prominent role and forced their passing offense to really be a huge part of this game because, you know, I think by the end of it, would they allow 47 yards total on the ground to the Steelers? That's a huge win for this team. And especially with how they've struggled in stopping the run, too. That's That's been kind of a sneaky part of their season, and or maybe not so sneaky anymore. It, it's kind of what we know them to be. But the fact that they just stopped it dead in its tracks and didn't allow it to get going at any point made Hodges be the one that needed to beat them. That deserves a lot of credit. And as soon as they got down to it, he couldn't do anything. It was four interceptions. One crucial one. Another one where he just threw the ball up and Jordan Poyer picked it off in the end zone. And then one to shore up the game when he was just trying to make a play and Levi Wallace brought it in. Like that that that's their that's what they wanted. That was their defensive game plan to a T, and they executed it without any doubt in their minds. Yeah, he Duck Hodges is quite bad at at the whole football thing uh that was the worst and we've seen you know 
quite a few bad quarterback performances because the Bills' defense tends to bring that out in guys. And they've also played a laundry list of slappies at quarterback. But this guy took the cake. And, you know, there was a reason during the week, you know, my prevailing thought was you can't really go down there and lose to Duck Hodges if you want to be a serious contender in the AFC. And they took care of business. The floodgates kind of opened in the, in the turnover department, and uh, it felt like a game that, that they were in control of and, and would have a chance. But in those ugly back-and-forth games, you know, it comes down to who turns the football over, and the Bills were able to do that. They now have the five seed. They're locked into, at the, at the very worst, the number five seed, which means they're likely avoiding that first round trip to Arrowhead Stadium, which is a, a big win Huge. for them. That said, Deshaun Watson and Ryan Tannehill, well, let's say Deshaun Watson because it's looking unlikely that the Texan or the Titans will unseat the Texans in the AFC South. It's more than likely Houston that that opening, you know, wild card weekend, unless the Bills can pull off, uh, you know, the A. AFC East win. So Deshaun Watson will present a much different challenge than than Devlin Hodges did, but this defense is going to be able to keep it close against just about anybody the way that they're playing. And the offense is such that you don't really know what you're getting every week, but there are the occasional moments that make you think they could string things together and, and pose a threat to somebody in the first round. Yeah. Uh, and I think this is a good time to discuss maybe the woes of this offense because that was a big part of this game, too. I mean, really, the running game kind of got going, but it didn't really. We, we knew it was going to be tough sledding for them against this defense. I think what I wasn't anticipating was how poorly the passing offense was operating through the first three and a half quarters of the game. I mean, it, it, it wasn't going to be easy for Josh Allen, but the fact that he only had, what was it, 85 yards heading into the game-winning drive for them, the eventual game-winning drive, 85 yards on 21 attempts, which is just a little over four yards per attempt, That's that, that stinks. And I know there were some drops there for him, and Cole Beasley has to do a better job of not letting it tip off his hands. But we know what also could have avoided that play? Josh Allen throwing a better ball and not forcing Cole Be- Beasley into thinking that he had to jump up for for that pass. So there was a lot of blame to go around with the passing offense, but it just wasn't there. And that's something that's kind of sneaky about this team too uh, because this is another – high-quality defense that they went up against and another one that he struggled with. Add it to the list of Patriots, Ravens, and now Steelers. Threw an interception, didn't throw multiple interceptions, which was a good thing, and he avoided his first multiple interception game in quite a long time. But he needs to figure out how to get the ball out of his hands quicker because that's still an issue for him. And I don't know if it's a quick fix. And I don't know if there is a fix for that because it's not something that he's gotten overwhelmingly better at. I don't think he's ever going to going to get to the spot where it's, you know, 
this like current Eli Manning is a bad example because he's not all that great. But I mean, when Eli was still somewhat in his prime, he was still getting the ball out of his hand super quick, somewhere around two to two point two five seconds, and that makes a ton of difference for a quarterback. When you have Josh Allen, who at his best this season was getting rid of the ball on average, I think in the, I forget which game it was, maybe it was Miami, one of those games when they started going in the no huddle, he was getting the ball out around 2.6 seconds per drop back. And that was good for him because normally we're seeing it around like 2.85, 2.9, three seconds. And that is when it becomes an issue because it's putting that much more pressure on your offensive line. That's something that he needs to get a hold of. And it's something that he really didn't do all that well against the Steelers. So if there's a point of contention, I mean, the throw to John Brown was great. And the throw to Tyler Croft was great. There were a couple of other on-the-money throws that he made that that flashed all that potential. But the consistency wasn't there from him. And I just felt like they needed more. And they probably could have put this game out of reach earlier had he connected and had he been a tad more accurate. Yeah, I don't think he was the reason they won this game. He did have two throws on that game-winning drive that you know certainly certainly didn't hurt that deep throw to John Brown uh good time for him to to hit on one of those 30 plus air yard passes that we talk about um couldn't have come at a better time and then the touchdown throw to Tyler Croft was on the screws so he certainly has that you know late fourth quarter gene where he can you know make plays when it counts and when the pressure pressure is at the highest but he's they're not winning games necessarily because of Josh Allen, um, you know, and I don't know when that will happen or if it will ever happen, you know, that that's probably down the line. That's probably not a 2019 formula for the bills is for this guy to go out and win them games. But the way that he plays late in games certainly doesn't hurt. And the weapon he provides in the red zone as a runner is, you know, a huge boost to this offense as well. So he's not, uh, it's not as if he's playing no role um, in, in these wins. I just don't think he's the reason. It's more of a, uh, you know, the the way the defense is playing really dictates how these games go for them. And if the big plays go the wrong way or if the turnovers aren't there, uh, life becomes a little bit tougher for, for the entire team. But that said, he, you know, when it mattered and, and when they, they needed a drive, they got one. And they've got 10 wins now. So, uh, you know, whether it's whoever it's against, uh, you know, the schedule is what the schedule is. And, you know, Josh Allen's numbers are what they are. But he's going to go into the playoffs with one of the best defenses in the conference and the ability – to make big plays with his arm and his legs at a moment notice. You don't really know what you're going to get necessarily week to week. And, and he's certainly an, an unfinished product, but he's, he's giving them, he hasn't, like you said, he avoided multiple interceptions. He mm-hmm. did have a fumble tonight. If I'm remembering correctly, <laughs> he did. Um, and that continues to be a little bit of an issue for him. Hold Wait, on to no, the ball. I, I think, I think he, I think they called him down. Oh, that's right. On that play. That's right. Yeah, they called him down. They they did. Um, But 
yeah, holding on to the ball a little too long. You know, there's there's all these things. I don't think we're learning too much. There's not a huge evolution happening late in this season, but the current version of Josh Allen, I'm not going to sit here and say that they can't win a playoff game with him because take a look around the AFC at, you know, some of these teams they might run into. So it's good enough at the moment. And, uh, you know, these defenses that he's struggling against, a lot of quarterbacks struggle against, you know, the Steelers, the Ravens, the Patriots, they've made a lot of people look pretty ordinary, but yeah, he needs to be, you'd like to see him take another step at some point, but let's face it. There's two games left. One's against the Patriots. One, they won't really need most likely against the Jets. This is the Josh Allen you're going into the playoffs with. And Mm -hmm. that's, you know, probably a little bit scary for some people, but it is what it is. Am I misremembering that? Didn't TJ Yates win a playoff game? I think he did. For the Texans? Yeah. I I know he played in one. He he absolutely did. I can't remember if, if he won one, but... I mean, <laughs> Tyler Tyler Dunn, uh, head head of the Buffalo Beat Research, is uh, going going to let us know. But it just goes to show, like s- some slappy QBs can win a game in the playoffs. Tyler, what do you got for me? All right, in 2011, TJ Yates, the Houston Texans took on the Cincinnati Bengals and won 31 to 10. See, there it is. Alliance Stadium. T.J. Yates, that fine evening, he uh, completed 11 of 20 passes for a buck 59 with a touchdown. He also had a rush for minus two yards, contributed there as well. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, T.J. Yates won a playoff game. So, if T.J. Yates can win a playoff game with a good defense, I think Josh Allen can. It just depends on the opponent. Um, and I think this is a, a good segue into the big picture of what we're looking at with with this team. And I found it pretty remarkable in the locker room after the game. I I guess I had a certain expectation going down there just because the only playoff team I had ever covered before was in 2017. So I had, I had the expectation of, all right, going down there, it, it's going to be this extremely jubilant locker room because that's what I remember from 2017, but that was also a special case because they needed a a last-minute heroic effort from Cincinnati to get into the playoffs when they all were basically just hoping, and it was against all the odds that that they ended up actually getting in there. And it was the end of the playoff drought, and it all kind of played into it as like this uh, emotional wave that, that happened down in the visitor locker room in Miami. But... It struck me as really different in this locker room. And I don't know, if it was different for you, feel free to correct me. But it just seemed like it was more of a business approach. Like, they kind of expected it. And talking with a lot of the players after the game, it's like, it's just a change of mentality. And, I mean, even Micah, I I talked with Micah Hyde, and... He even said, straight up, I mean, it, it getting into the playoffs was more important than the actual playoff game itself When you uh, in 2017 when, when you go back and look at it. And that's like, I get it because it was such a 
momentous occasion for the Bills and breaking that that streak and or breaking that drought. I mean, Jerry Hughes went as far as to call it uh, a weight on them um, throughout that whole tenure, and he he had been there one of the longest of any of the players in that locker room. But this one just felt different, and I guess it's part of what they're trying to do uh, in building a an actual contender, and, and they're not a contender this year. They could contend to win a playoff game and get to the second week of the playoffs, but when it comes to walking into Baltimore potentially and getting a win over that team, I don't know that I like their odds in the playoffs um, or, you know, just moving on, moving close to the Super Bowl. I, I don't think this team is there quite yet. But what this also is doing, it's also raising those expectations in 2020. And it it's right to raise the expectations because when you have a team that's made as many strides as they have this year, maybe, you know, perhaps a bit ahead of schedule, it's good to have those expectations because that's when we can really learn whether or not this team is going to be legit. And we're going to see if Josh Allen can make those strides to make them into a serious contender because he's the key to all of this. Yeah, I think, I mean, it was certainly different in the locker room this time around, but I would also say that I think the 2017 Bills clinching the playoffs was different than almost any team when you see a team clinch. You know, last week I was actually in the Ravens locker room when they clinched, and that was more subdued than the Bills locker room was today. I I thought still today there was a bit of a charge in a lot of those guys, some of the young guys making the playoffs for the first time. Um, you know, had a had a certain we're feeling some type of way. Lee Smith was feeling some type of way in there. Uh, his first time making the playoffs um, after you know he's been in the league uh, you know quite a few years now. Uh, he was pretty pretty fired up about everything. So not that they're taking it for granted, but there is a different expectation uh, about what they are you know you don't have guys like eric wood and kyle williams in the locker room who are who are these lifers on this team that that sucked for so long now these are all guys that were on either on that 2017 team or you know have been in the playoffs elsewhere there's just not many guys left that remember what it was like when it really sucked and this feels in some ways like more the the drought ending was one thing and it was a weight off in some ways for for people but it didn't really mean anything because they had a terrible playoff game and the next year they go six and ten and the prevailing question is does any of it did it even matter you know did it show legitimate signs of progress was it who cares that they they made the playoffs like yeah they ended the drought but the team might still suck. They might not have it right. They might they might not be going in the right direction. Right now, they they win ten games for the first time since 1999. They clinch a playoff berth with two games to go in the season. Their quarterback has shown some flashes. They've built a defense that can play with anybody. You can sit there and say, yeah, this team is probably heading in the right direction, and thus. It almost feels like this exercises the demons of of the drought in ways that that first win couldn't because 
the drought doesn't have any power over them or that the years of bad play doesn't have any power over them in the sense that the celebration wasn't what it was in Miami two years ago because that's behind them. It's, you know, kind of, it's a different, you know, two out of three years making the postseason uh, is, is what should be the expectation for a, a decent team. Mm-hmm. And it should be more normal than it has been in Buffalo. And I think it's starting to feel that way in the locker room. Let the record show that Matthew Fairburn dropped a thus on us at 4 a.m. Pittsburgh time. My uh, my vocabulary knows no internal clock. Wow. Still hitting it hard. No, but you're right. This is what fans should expect. And I, I think it's been a bit of a, a slow realization throughout the year, a bit of an awakening for fans, just because when you have a team that has struggled for as long as the Bills have, there are still those scars from the drought that exist for a lot of people. And it's a tough thing to shake because when you're just constantly used to things going poorly, then that's your default at that point. To think that, well... They're screwed. They're nine and four. They just they just lost to the they just lost to the Ravens. Oh, they're going to lose three more, and they're, they're going to go on a four game skid, and they're going to miss the playoffs entirely. And that was a like people were worried that that was going to happen. And even when all of logic and watching the team play and looking at their schedule for two of the next three games and. Even the numbers behind it. I mean, they had north of an 80% chance of making it to the the playoffs before this game started. And people were still like, oh, crap, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to work. It's just, it's got to be, I guess it doesn't have to be that way within a fan base for a team to be successful because those two things aren't inherently related. But it certainly helps the overall mental well-being of a fan base if they know that their franchise is A, in good hands, and B, actually going to handle their business when when they're supposed to. And I think a win like this will go a long way for for doing that. Clinching a spot in the playoffs after the 14th game, it's a huge accomplishment. I mean, regardless of their schedule, regardless of the, the poor AFC around them, they... They handled their business, and they deserve credit for that, and they should, and they will get credit for that. But it's it's tough to erase it. I mean, even they went ahead with, I think, a little under eight minutes to go. I remember tweeting out, the Bills are seven minutes and I think it was 55 seconds away from clinching a playoff spot. I almost got ratioed by people trying to tell me, oh, don't jinx it. It's like, Folks, you're an adult. It's football. There's no such thing as jinxes. Just, I'm sorry, Tim. I'm sorry to upset you. You jinxed the time of the game tonight, didn't you? That is true. Yeah. Would you stop with the jinxes? There's no such thing as jinxes. This game's going to come in well under three hours. Never said that. Never said said well under, TG. 
What'd you say? I said has a chance to. Oh, oh no. No, 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 no. I didn't say. Looks uh, like we're gonna get an under uh, three hour game. Are, are we? Are we actually gonna believe lion tie over there? That I said he was well sitting under? next to you. Eh, it doesn't we were matter. We sitting on either side of you. We he, both heard. He had, we heard. You didn't hear well under. You guys are. Uh, show me the tape. Show me the tapes. But anyway, game came in at three oh one for the record. My fist. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. Like easy, Graham. Yeah, easy, TG over there. You don't have to automatically default into things are going to go poorly. It that's not how it always has to be so i think tonight was important i really do and especially on a grand stage it being two of the last three weeks now where they actually handled their business on a big stage that's that's pretty important i think it's not unimportant that's for sure let's get to some awards (laughs) (laughs) well that's 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 not it uh, the Matt Barkley Award to the player that was a pleasant surprise of the evening. I have one in mind, but I'm curious to see if you have the same one. I would say Tyler Croft. That's the one. That's caught the a, ticket. Caught the game-winning touchdown. That's the guy the... has been riddled with injuries since basically the moment he signed and came through with the, the clinching play. Fitting that uh, the Bengals still helping the Bills get into the playoffs. Would you look Former at that? Former Bengal Tyler Croft gets the game-winning touchdown. The game-winning tud. To send the Bills to the postseason. Hey, Lion Ty, you feel like telling the truth? I don't know where this Lion Ty came from. I don't like him one bit. <laughs> I know. He's not actually a liar. Uh, what happened right before that, that play? Oh, yes. This is true. Uh, Joe B here called the Tyler Croft touchdown. He leaned in and said... He jinxed it. <laughs> jinxed it for, for good. It reverse jinx. <laughs> reverse jinx. Oh, we're just going to go with jinx and reverse jinx now? Yeah. Yeah, yeah you called it. Tyler 100%. Dunn cleared out on the right side. So, yeah, Tyler Dunn. Good on you. Tyler Dunn or Tyler Croft? I'm confused. It's four in the morning. Tyler Croft, good on you. <laughs> uh, all right, let's go with the... Dree Archer Award for the player that didn't show up today. That goes to Robert Foster. Again, zero snaps on offense. The Bills did not have him in the game plan, game plan one bit, and uh, he didn't show up. So that's that, that's that's going to be his award for the day. And it, I mean, he he was playing special teams, so it's not as though he was active and didn't play whatsoever. But on offense, didn't did not play. Uh, the Vontae Davis Award for player that did not show up in the second half, Matthew Fairburn. Frank Gore. Yes, great. Well, great he, didn't, he didn't really show up at all, but he got had a little bit more of a role in the second half, and he touched the ball four times on that six-place sequence That was when rough. they got the ball at the 18-yard line after that Tredavious White interception, and it did not go well. He had that nine-yard run and then went backwards on every other play. So, yeah, Frank Gore, not great. That was that that was definitely rough, uh, especially because it seemed like the Bills earlier in the game when they had a goal line opportunity, they spread out the Steelers' defense, and it's like, oh, look, they learned from past mistakes. 
And then they get back down into the red zone area and they decide to go heavy set on four of their six plays. Every play that wasn't a third down, they went heavy set, which they was. They got afraid to put the ball in the hands of their young playmakers. They did not let Josh Allen throw a pass. And they gave Devin Singletary only one carry, and it was the last one. Uh-huh. Which was basically and a give up. It was not the play fearless mantra that they were beating their chests about a couple weeks ago. Yet they come out the next series, and it was almost as if they just said, you know what, we we really should stop being so scared here. And they threw that deep pass to John Brown on the first play. Devin Singletary touched the ball a couple plays later, got a 15-yard gain, and, you know, from there, Josh Allen and Devin Singletary accounted for every yard on the final drive. Mm -hmm. So they took the ball out of their hands and learned their lesson very quickly. So, um, but yeah, Frank Gore, not not having an easy go. And on that drive, their their personnel – on those on four of those six plays, the the four Gore runs, Frank Gore, Isaiah McKenzie, Dawson Knox, Lee Smith, Patrick DeMarco. That was your uh, your crew, and it did not go well. So, a- absolutely. Um, but other than that, I thought Brian Dable did a nice job mixing up his personnel stuff. Um, on drives leading up to or on drives throughout the games to keep the Steelers a little bit more on their toes than maybe they were anticipating with them usually being in 11 personnel. So, uh, but that, that drive was, was not a good example. Uh, all right. Come on, Darlene. There's a, there are a few um, choices for this, but I think I got to give it to Quentin Spain. I mean, the Steelers had already called their final timeout. It's a third down play. All you need to do, you're, you're probably not going to gain the first down. It's a it's a third and six at that point, I believe. Yes, it was a third and six. You're just trying to run out the clock. You're trying to get it down to under a minute to go. And Quentin Spain, rather than, you know, just letting the play happen and letting his man get tackled tackles the defender next to him to get a holding call, which is going to be called every time when you tackle somebody in the backfield after you get beat, which stopped the clock and gave the, the Steelers basically an organic timeout. Thusly, Matthew Fairburn, thus, giving them an additional 40 seconds to potentially come back and tie the game or maybe even score a touchdown and go for two to win the game. I don't know if they would have done that. Maybe they would have. Not sure. But still, that's a, that's inexcusable on Quentin Spain's part. You got to know the situation. You have to know, hey, if you know what, you get beat, just live to fight another day. Those 40 seconds are mean more to you than trying to tackle the guy and and uh, create three more additional yards for, for your guy in a third and six. Just know the situation and just live to fight another day. It didn't burn him, but, I mean, that that was a bad play by him. 
I'm going to go with Come On Darlene to Dion Dawkins. Oh, boy. After the game, Dion Dawkins said one of the most confusing things I've ever heard. Go on. In a post-game locker room. When asked a very simple question, why is Josh Allen so good in the fourth quarter? You could take it a number of different directions. Deion Dawkins had this to say. Because Josh Allen, his name starts with the J and ends with an N. And all the way across the board, that's just what his parents did for him. And it's special. Dion, I don't know what in the blue hell any of that means. Wait, is hell blue? That's the point. I believe that's the point of the phrase, what in the blue hell. I've never heard that. I like it. What? This is the first I'm hearing of this. If it weren't for, I would have more colorful language if it weren't for, you know, some of our, our younger listeners. But my word, like, what does that even mean? And know. you know what? He's probably been asked so many questions about Josh Allen that he's running out of stuff to say. But at least he's keeping it original. I thought I had missed something originally. Is like <laughs> his name starts with a J and ends with an N. What's the what? What's the pun I'm missing here? <laughs> Yikes. And there, I've now concluded there is nothing. This is a man who started off the season with a strong quote about mac and cheese, and he just finished it with it starts with this. a J, ends with an N. He needs to get back into playoff form the next couple of weeks. And what's what is it? What's in between is what his parents did for him. Well, his name starts with the J and ends with an N, and all the way across the board, that's just what his parents did for him, and it's special. I'm trying to figure out, like, can you spell something with O S H A L L E? No, I don't. I don't think it's that deep. Like I think. Shield? Yes, that's what I'm trying to figure I out. I think what he was trying. Are you, are you to trying say, to say Josh Allen's Voldemort? I think he, he was just trying to say, you know, he's Josh Allen. That's just how his parents made him. You know, he's special. But yeah, he, that, that he threw sense. in some. The starts with a J. He threw in some stuff that just detonated my brain (laughs) mid-locker room. I was wandering around like a hopeless child for a few minutes after that, trying to figure out what had happened. (laughs) I'm, I'm glad you made it back to us. Honorable mention goes to Quack Hodges, who apparently was talking junk to the Bills. I I don't know if it should go to the Bills or if it should go to Mr. Duck, but Jerry Hughes was convinced that Duck Hodges was talking all sorts of junk to them. And then when we went back and looked, he said, like, yeah, they got a pretty good defense. We've played a lot of good defenses. And the Bills were like, we'll show you, quack. And they they certainly did. But So if Duck Hodges was talking junk, that man needs to to recognize his place, but also the bulletin board material has just gotten out of hand in this league. Fairburn was on a heater there because he called him Mr. Duck twice uh, in his little <laughs> soliloquy, so I couldn't stop him. 
Grade A stuff. This is the bulletin board material. Go on, Ty. This is from uh, esteemed beat writer Chris Adamski. Hope I pronounced his last name right. Chris is a great guy. He uh, retweeted Shaq Lawson had a few choice words for Duck Duck Goose, he called him. But the question to uh, Duck Hodges on Wednesday was Is this the biggest defensive challenge you've faced since being the starter? The answer provided by Hodges, yeah, it is. But for the simple fact that it's the only defense we face this week, just big on taking it one week at a time. They are a good defense. We played a lot of good defenses. Oh, the nerve. Yeah. <laughs> the sack on that guy to be saying that. The sack that. on quack. <laughs> Unbelievable. How dare he? They showed him. I'm tired of these guys dumping on my team. <laughs> you don't get any respect. They're, Duck Hodges is busy telling them that they're too short. They're not fast enough. Well, they showed him. What in the blue hell is going on? In I, would, I would love to know how that message is passed around. I mean, the Bills aren't alone, obviously. This is all NFL teams all the time. That was like the Bulls Patriots against the Bills, right. you know? It was like... Oh, is this a tough? Yeah, this is a tough offense. You know, we'll see. You know, they haven't played us yet, and it's like that's taken to be like they insulted your mother, and you're exactly. gonna go defend her honor. Yeah. But hey, whatever you got to do to get fired up. It worked. Whatever. Was hey, yeah, Jerry Hughes was still steaming. Yeah, it worked. Also, um, found out that uh, it McDermott made it known of their history with the Steelers and the fact that they hadn't beaten them since 1999. That was circulating out there, as well as not having a double-digit win season since 1999. So that was part of their bulletin board exchange throughout uh, throughout the week. So yes, the Bills did both of those things. They what beat- are we going to put on our bulletin board this week, Tim? Should we? Are you going to... How about we print out some some mean comments on our stories and slap them up there? Some mean tweets. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to think back on all those times when we pick the Bills to win, and they don't thank us. That's or, right. Or apologize. Right. Because they like to get on the media. They like to shove it up our ass that. when they. You picked the guy. I know you picked against us, man. We don't listen to the outside noise, well, man. How come I don't get an apology when? I pick them to win and they don't. That's right. <laughs> or thank me. If I if I pick them to win and they do win, yeah. why don't they thank me for that? You know what would be better so is if do. is if when we pick them to win and they lose, if they came off the field and said, yeah, we know you guys picked us to win. Nice job, dumbasses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That would be trash talk I would accept. I'd be yeah. like, damn, they got me. <laughs> Should have known we were going to come out flat. I told you you didn't know shit. <laughs> you picked us to win. We lost by 20. <laughs> Typical media morons, <laughs> fake news and whatnot. That's right. All right. It's it's 4.19 a.m. <laughs> we, got, we got to wrap this up. Uh, all right. So the Bills are going to the playoffs as... At worst, the fifth seed, they will have, at worst, a 10-6 and six record. And, yeah, we'll find out exactly who they play over the next couple of weeks. But 
They still have the division to play for, even if the odds really aren't in their favor. Um, but that at, at, at least makes next week's game against New England a pretty fun one. Because if they end up winning that game, then at least makes Week 17 interesting and they have something additional to play for. Uh, oh, and by the way, if you want to continue to, I guess, live in the misery of the Steelers fans, you can go ahead and check out the Immaculate Podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network, which is a regular look at the Steelers featuring the Athletic Pittsburgh's Ed Bouchette and Mark Caboli. They will dissect recent games, including this one against the Bills, break down upcoming opponents and preview matchups to watch from the decisions that made a difference on game day to the personalities who compose the roster. Ed and Mark will give listeners an all-access pass to the Steelers' season. And Mr. Quack, Mr. Duck. So I'm sure that he's, he will be prominently featured in their podcast. All right, so uh, the next time you'll hear from us will be on Thursday leading up to this weekend's game. Of course, remember, it's a Saturday game, um, 4.30 kickoff, uh, another relatively big spotlight for the Buffalo Bills as they get closer to the end of the season and get ready for the playoffs in 2019. All right, so for Matthew Fairburn, for... TG Tim Graham for Tyler Dunn of Bleacher Report. Thanks, everybody, for being here. And we will talk to you on Thursday when we get closer to kickoff. See you then.